Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hi, I'm Jed Bodwin, and I live in Wichita, Kansas. I am a Patreon supporter for Creative Control. I discovered Creative Control some years ago, I think maybe while looking for interviews with Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, and uh, I stumbled across this this conversation that Vish had with Tommy Stinson that was really insightful. Vish held his own. I think Tommy can be a little bit of a difficult interview at times, and it went really well, and it really uh, got into some areas that I wasn't expecting, and I thought, gosh, I have to listen to more of this guy and his podcast. Sometimes I'm not necessarily a fan of the music or musicians that uh, Vish will have on the show, but I always appreciate their creative process a little bit more. And uh, more times than not, though, it does lead me to uh, finding a new musical artist that I'm interested in or to think a little bit differently about maybe some artists whose work I've overlooked. So, you know, go ahead, and if you've been waiting at all to support Vish and Creative Control, now is probably the best time to do it. I know as a public radio employee here in Kansas, listener-supported broadcasting, whether it's podcasts or radio itself, really isn't a thing of the past. It's actually very much a thing of both the present and the future. So, yay Vish, yay Creative Control. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, Please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I want to set it. It's my second hand wonder, a thing that recovers the doubt. Slim. Like the rain storm. Mark Eibold is a gifted musician who has long called New York City home. Best known as the bassist in the rock band Pavement, Eibold was also a member of Sonic Youth, 
and the five years before that band broke up in 2011. With Matador Records set to reissue Pavement's final album to date on April 8, 2022, under the title Terror Twilight, Farewell Horizontal, which lands ahead of a highly anticipated reunion tour this summer, and Sonic Youth's final decade together reflected on the recent three-lobed recordings release, In Out In, it seemed like a good time to connect with Mark and talk about his love of radio and, in particular, the station WFMU, how he wound up joining Sonic Youth, and his reflections about his time in that band, working with producer Nigel Godrich, and why the Terror Twilight sessions made him nervous, why a teacher suggested he might like acid rock, and how he began playing bass as a kid, his uncle's working relationship with both the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, the beauty of pavement B-sides, showing me some of his pavement demo and practice tapes, jamming with Steve Shelley and working outside of music, why he's stoked about Pavement's upcoming shows, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control with additional support from Blackbird Music, which is a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will help you with whatever you need. They can help you order this Terror Twilight farewell horizontal thing or maybe the sonic youth in out in thing whatever you want learn more about them at blackbird.ca plus in-kind support from pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planet bean coffee respectively in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario this is episode 678 of creative control featuring the lovely and talented mark eibold of pavement and sonic youth with your host me vish Khanna. I carry it rough, I feed my thrill I got beat by weather Carry it rough, I feed my thrill Hi Mark, how's it going? I'm doing fine. Having a kind of a weird day here in New York, working on taxes and stuff, so it's not, oh, yeah, that's not a jolly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry to hear that. My wife was just asking me if I was going to do that, uh, and I haven't done it yet either. So I got to work on that myself. So thanks for the heads up. That's uh, that's too bad. Uh, are there things going on in your day in New York? Anything uh, exciting beyond taxes? <laughs> <laughs> I might go to an art gallery later. Oh, uh, I have a friend that's having an opening. Um, so I have a son also who will be getting back from school, and if I can persuade him to come along with me, I'll I'll. Uh, do that oh cool so yeah we may end up going into the city i live in brooklyn so we're gonna we'll, we'll head into manhattan to do that oh nice how long have you been in brooklyn uh well maybe about uh 10 years i've lived all oh, over okay. new york i've been in new york for about 35 years but yeah that's uh i know that about you in fact uh so mark as you know uh this is a, a makeup date that we're having because okay, yeah. <laughs> we we were we were you were I, I talked about this on the episode that uh, aired uh, with uh, Bob and Steve West and Jesper you mm-hmm. were you were going to join us but uh, you you couldn't but they talked about how ensconced you are in New York uh, mm-hmm. and, and you are a, a, a proud New Yorker on some level and you also are very outgoing they mentioned uh, it was mm-hmm. not a, Bob said it was not uncommon if he said something like uh, if he went to seven shows Mark would be at five. 
oh. which uh, suggests he's even more outgoing than you. I did the math on that, and I. <laughs> <laughs> so you uh, are that's still the case. Are you an outgoing New Yorker? Uh, as far, oh yeah, heading out to check things uh, to see shows and things like that. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I've been working in restaurants and bars, and I've been working in a bar during COVID, so. I'm a little more, I, I guess since I'm exposed to people so much, I've been going out, uh, I've been not so worried about going out because it just happens to me at work all the time too. So. Right, right. Any uh, close calls there? Are you okay? I'm fine, yeah. I mean, I did get uh, sick once. And, oh, you did? Uh, okay. But it yeah. wasn't very, it was just like having a cold. And yeah. uh, But it was weird because I, I, I've never not left my apartment in for 24 hours that's never happened to me i've never stayed in for 24 hours oh um so uh it was strange to stay in my apartment for eight days straight um my wife and kid would bring food to the door and then leave Uh, because we actually have uh we were lucky enough to have another apartment that normally is somebody uh rents from us but uh they aren't around right now so i was oh. able to uh hang out there and uh but it was weird to stay in an inside for eight days straight i've never done anything remotely like that so yeah it's it, it we were again not to tell tales out of school we were talking about how vibrant a, a fellow you are on that uh, <laughs> that episode uh, among your friends there and uh, everyone agreed you are I, and I, I had mentioned in the episode that i recently rewatched the slow century uh documentary uh thing yeah and I, I agreed with them. They, uh, Steve and Bob both said some semblance of the fact that you tend to be very joyous on stage. You liked being on stage. You had fun. And I said, yeah, That's I was true. I was watching the movie again. And yeah, if anyone's radiating light on stage, it's Mark Eibold. So I can see that you like people and you like being out in the world. That's basically what you're yeah. getting at. Yeah. Well, I'm very, I'm very happy when I'm doing the, the pavement thing. I like all the songs and I'm happy to be there. And there are all these people that seem to totally appreciate it. I, I don't know what more you could really ask for. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm in good spirits when I'm doing that. A lot of gra- Yeah, I think that's part of it. The beam of light thing, you seem to have gratitude. You seem to be grateful about what you're doing. Is that a fair read? Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty lucky uh, because I've never really been. I don't really, you know, I, do I? I mean, yeah, I was never planned to be doing that, you know, uh, in a ba- to be in a band or uh, to play music. So uh, yeah, I'm always when I do it, I'm I feel pretty lucky to be able to do it. Yeah. So um, another time recently that your name came up was I had uh, Lee Ronaldo and Steve Shelley on. Uh, from mm-hmm. from Sonic Youth, and we were talking mm-hmm. about this new uh, In Out In release. That uh, for those who don't know, it captures uh, ostensibly the last ten years of the band uh, yeah. band's recordings and uh, some some rarities. Uh, Mark, you're on there somewhere. Have you had a chance to listen to this thing? I haven't. I've, although I think I did hear a track that. Oh no! I think that might have been a Jim O'Rourke track um, on the radio. But um, no, I'm curious. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Um, I I haven't even heard that like Terror Twilight, this new version of it. I, I have like a digital copy of it sitting on my desktop here uh, of, of my computer. But um, I really would rather 
have a record or a CD or yeah. hear it on the radio. So I'm I'm pretty. I don't get ex- as excited about digital copies of things. Not that I don't like it. It just makes me feel like I'm behind. I'm not getting caught up in things. You know, um, the di- if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> the the the, the up to date technology makes you feel further behind. Is that what you're saying? Like just playing it on your computer makes you feel like ah. Eh. I, I get what you're saying, by the way. Well, I have I have so many records here, and I have a radio, and I listen to the radio uh, probably about. I mean, actually, in the last six or seven years, I've been listening to the radio pretty much exclusively. Hmm. And uh, I kind of like having somebody else choosing the music for me. Ah. Somebody that's not an algorithm. <laughs> um, right. And like, and actually, in my case, it's been WFMU, this radio station, WFMU, their DJs, they're all good. And uh, so, yeah, just going to the computer and clicking on songs is not uh it's not really i don't i don't i don't look forward to it really no it's know? not and it's the yeah. same with news i i can tell you i i will guiltily admit that i have never listened to a podcast oh okay it is not not of interest <laughs> yeah, to you i've never, i've uh no it, it i i i'm sure there's tons of interesting stuff uh but like i have enough um uh is it angst or I, I don't know? Just I worry uh, about reading the news, you yeah. know, every every sure. week and my emails and looking at my few text messages and just that stuff takes up so much time that um, yeah, I don't get around to playing my records or definitely like listening to things on I, I like I don't have anything from iTunes really or no this is uh, fine just, you don't don't you yeah. I hear the apology in your in your voice and it, it's not necessary WFMU is an amazing amazing station so I and, I and it's curated really well by all the hosts so I appreciate where you're coming from there I will say though it's it begs the question I mean you've never engaged with a podcast for those of us who make podcasts most of us tend to come from radio <laughs> Uh, they uh-huh. they are really an extension of radio or talk radio, if you will. Sometimes they are. Oh, for the sure. The lengths vary. So I wonder. It seems to me, it's not necessarily the medium; it's the technology that's holding you back. Like it doesn't feel like you, you probably well, you, I mean, you probably I've, have a, a real radio. Like in my house right now, I don't have a real radio player. Uh, a mm-hmm. radio, I should say. I, I sound like I'm from the 30s. Mm-hmm. I don't have a real radio, and I don't have a mm-hmm. CD player in the house currently. So my car has mm-hmm. both those things. The radio I have to stream uh, r- mm-hmm. right now. So so weirdly, I'm using the old mediums, if you will, but on the new, mm-hmm. newer technology. But that's not where you're at, I'm, I'm gathering. No. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah. I feel like a person that like lived in like you know England or... Uh, maybe even Canada, like 20 years ago when there were only like four channels on television. And that it was pretty much what everybody was happy with, yeah, you know. Yeah. And now there are like 40,000 channels. If you include online streaming and podcasts, uh, all the sources of uh, news on uh, available online, you know, music, news, movies, everything, yeah, yeah. you know. So I've kind of just backed away from it. I mean, I don't, I, I think the technology is super cool. Yeah. But, uh, and sometimes I kind of get into figuring out the new tech stuff or whatever, but um, it's not that I'm really afraid of figuring it out. It's just that the volume of everything that's available kind of like 
boggles my mind. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like you appreciate the the parameters around choice. So having <laughs> having four channels is enough. You're you are actually calling upon a time where I think we were more galvanized informationally. Because yes. you know when we were, when I was growing up, if uh, and I, I by the way this is way, this is actually older. I didn't watch the Who Shot Jr. episode of Dallas because I was too I was too little. But that was a mm-hmm. that was a moment in culture that everyone could galvanize around. And there's very mm-hmm. few of those now because people, as we're speaking, like what was it a couple weeks ago? There's the Oscars. Did you hear? Did you hear tell Mark of the fiasco at the Oscars? Yes. Yeah, you did. So that was. But I'm glad I didn't see it. Most people didn't see it as as it happened because it was a very low rated telecast. But mm-hmm. when I was growing up, yeah, my parents and I we'd watch the Grammys together. We'd watch the it Oscars. Would have been on. Yeah, you would just Same. have it on. Yeah. So yeah, yeah we're very uh, we're very fractured, and I think that's also maybe speaking to why we are literally very disparate in our opinions and our feelings. Like it's a very weird time. Right. So I think you're mm-hmm. maybe you're consciously or subconsciously insulating yourself from all that stuff of like i don't need to be up on everything because no one seems to be up on anything everyone's just (laughs) doing their own thing all the time so Um, maybe that's maybe that's part of it yeah i feel like it also having all of these i mean there's there's great quality out there but the quality has been diluted quite a bit you know Um, fair enough uh so yeah i haven't done like I haven't participated in social media. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of it is just that I don't feel like I uh, feel very good interacting with the screen, uh, whether it's on my phone or the computer. I would rather be uh, riding my bike or um, yeah. at a restaurant or cooking or, you know, listening to the radio or at a movie theater or in an art You're gallery. not a virtual person. You need tangible, if you will, you need tangible stuff in your life. You need to flip the dial on the radio. Yes. You can't just press a button. Yeah. Okay. That's so you feel you feel informed listening to WFMU for example. Like you feel like you know what's kind of happening in music. Oh, in music? Yeah, but I wouldn't I no, I mean I understand where I mean that's a you know they're also sort of uh they're delivering the goods to a certain demographic. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I a little, little older. There's maybe a little limit. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah skewing yeah. a bit older. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the case. Uh, some of us are older and we like the things we like from the eighties <laughs> yeah. or nineties, whatever, you know, and mm-hmm. we're still talking about them because they're important to us, uh, which is maybe a nice segue uh, back into uh, our chat about you and your work. Um, mm-hmm. I did touch upon the Sonic youth thing. And just before we leave it behind, interestingly, Sonic Youth Echo Canyon comes up in this Terror Twilight narrative, which I thought was interesting uh, mm-hmm. because because the recordings from In Out In, some of them are from there, and I believe you were involved. Just briefly, if you can characterize your time in Sonic Youth in that in that period that you were involved, so you, for those who didn't catch the episode with uh, Lee and Steve, basically, uh, Mark, you joined after sometime after Jim O'Rourke left. Uh, the band yep. he had joined suddenly, surprisingly, really as a fifth member, and then played mm-hmm. b- bass and guitar. Then, then he left. What was your role exactly in Sonic Youth when you when you joined? Primarily bass, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes, it was yeah. it was playing bass guitar. Although I played the guitar on one song live, uh, a song called Rats, but it was a guitar. I think where all the I don't know where all the strings tuned. The, to the same note or something. So I was just playing. It was very 
very simple uh, guitar. Oh. It sounded great. But, um, <laughs> um, but I did that on one song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I guess I started in around, if I'm right, I think it was around 2004 or 2006. I, w- I want to say six, just based on my relatively mm-hmm. recent research, but you might be... I don't want to question I your. You. I don't want to I question. You. I don't want to question your lived experience versus uh, my own memory. But um, yeah, so you joined in the mid two thousands, let's say. Yeah, and it was uh, just a great time. I mean, I kind of knew everyone. I mean, I knew Kim a little bit better from having been in, in Free Kitten with her. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I knew everyone slightly from uh, Pavement being on tour with Sonic Youth in the past, and then us uh, crossing paths in New York. So having mutual friends, uh, but, uh, yeah, I really got to know everyone once I joined the band and, um, just, uh, everyone was even nicer and cooler than I, you know, I thought they were, you know, to start with, you know, so it was, it was a really good experience. And, um, we spent a lot of time going up, uh, to Northampton to, to practice and, um, it was really fun, uh, checking out that city it felt like getting to know northampton was 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 a part of the experience for me it was it was great um mm-hmm. they have we have a lot of mutual friends that live up there too and uh the shows were great i mean that's another band where when uh i mean i always noticed this from the audience uh, being an audience member for sonic youth shows but they have a great audience and it's a, a mixed quite a, a mixed age audience and um Great enthusiasm, mm-hmm. so of course it was pleasant to be playing with them and experiencing, yeah. you know, that that audience playing the songs. It was also, I mean, I I, I never imagined I would be. Uh, when Thurston called me, he told me he left a a message on my answering machine saying that he had a, a business proposition, and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, like. Um, I wonder if they're into opening up a restaurant or a bar or something, you know. And, um, <laughs> and then I called them back. Oh, that, and, that's true. That is your background, right? That that could have been viable. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, to me, that was yeah. way more likely than than what he actually was proposing. And it was, you know, sort of a joke. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So then he basically just said that Kim wanted to concentrate more on playing guitar and uh, asked if I wanted to play bass. And I said, yeah. Um, and I yeah. remember calling Julie Capritz and asking her if she thought I should do it or if I could do it uh, physically. And she was like, oh, come on, you can do that. And uh, so it gave me a little more confidence. And uh, yeah, and it worked out. It was it was just really, it was great. Yeah, I, I believe I saw you play. I saw Sonic Youth a lot, mm-hmm. but I believe... It's possible the only time I saw you play with them was at Massey Hall. Do you remember playing Massey Hall in Toronto? It's like a I remember playing it with Pavement uh, for the uh, like for an unfortunate reason, but I don't. Uh, I guess uh, so. Sonic Youth played at Massey Hall with me and the yeah. Band? Okay, I'm pretty. I'm fairly certain it was towards the end of the band. Uh, it was the last time I saw them mm-hmm. or you. Uh, uh, I could be wrong. Maybe it was Jim, but I'm fairly certain it was you. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, and uh, I was going to say, my history here is I first saw Pavement. I was a huge fan, but I never got to see them. I was like 16, 17, 18. Never got to see you until you played uh, Lollapalooza mm-hmm. in 95 uh, in Barrie, Ontario, uh-huh. which was the notable because it was the first show with Elastica. Sinead O'Connor had had to 
Bale mm-hmm. because she was pregnant. And then uh, I'm not sure if I'd seen Sonic Youth before then, but obviously they played and it was great. And then, yeah, so I saw, I've saw i seen Pavement a lot since then, or, or as much as I could on the Bright in the Corners tour and the... Uh, uh, I saw the Terror Twilight tour, and I mm-hmm. saw that Olympic Olympic Island uh, with broken social scene in Toronto. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, on the reunion. Yeah, so I have this I have this long history with both, uh, and I love Sonic Youth. You can see a Sonic Youth uh, poster yeah. that I rescued from my parents' house uh, before nice. I moved to Alberta. So I'm a, just a big fan. So it's nice. I'm glad you had a, a great time playing with them. By the way, Lee and Steve, Lee in particular, described you in Sonic Youth as a great vibologist. <laughs> you brought great vibes. Did, did you do you see that as a role in your as a bandmate to be just up and cheery and bring the good times? Uh, possibly, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't, that just I don't know. Your, like that just I'm, might be I'm, your nature. I'm more confident about those abilities than any of my uh, musical abilities. So yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's just fun to travel and uh traveling <laughs> with people that you like is fun and uh yeah. you know so i'm i'm up for it i'm always up for it yeah yeah I, one of the reasons i really wanted to speak with you is because a we've never spoken and uh this actually yeah you've completed my pavement collection so that's really nice <laughs> but i've always just heard the nicest things about you so it's it's nice to get to connect and i want to get into your background a little bit more uh, is, is it relatively rare for you to do interviews mark uh, definitely now. Yeah. I mean, well, yes, now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bob, Bob uh, was I saying mean, when I, when I reached out to Bob about trying to get some gatherings together, he's like, well, Mark doesn't often do press actually. And I wondered if that was true. I couldn't recall from the nineties, uh, uh, when you were in pavement, if you, in my <laughs> recollection, I would mostly see Steven and Bob do interviews and in- yeah. Um, well, I think that's just because maybe uh, what well, Bob volunteers for a lot of stuff and um, he'll be the his you know he's the guy whose hand shoots up the first in the classroom and um, and it's good because uh, he's a great I mean I will for instance now when if we had an, if, if there was an interview scheduled for this Terror Twilight thing where I knew that somebody was going to be um, asking specific questions about that time period. I would suggest Bob for that interview just because he has a much better memory for that stuff than I do. And, you know, he just likes to talk about it. I mean, not that I don't like to talk about it, but I think he remembers a lot of details. And then he's just a good storyteller and he kind of comes up with a good narrative for all this stuff, you know. And um, I am maybe less likely to 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 be that way but um but no i i I do actually i in pavement history i've done gone on most of the press tours and a lot of ones where it would just be steven and myself going uh, a lot of them were in europe though so that's probably why you haven't uh, heard as many here but i I would go (laughs) and do that a lot but um yeah i have no problem with doing interviews but uh i uh Oh no, and I didn't think you did. I was just, mm. I was just, I was just trying to convey that it's special to me uh, that we get to chat. Uh, I appreciate it. That's mm. all. And uh, because Bob made it seem like a huge deal that you were, uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah, I'm no, really I, flattered that uh, you wanted that you wanted just uh, that you're making a separate, uh, you know, a separate Zoom call here to do this. That's really. Oh nice. yeah, no, I, I I do want to celebrate this release, and you know, it's interesting as I recall in the liner notes uh, that uh, Jesper uh, worked on here. 
first of all, it should be said, you are, you, Steve and Bob in particular, seem to have like a roundtable conversation about this time period uh, that he, ca- that Jesper captured. Is that, is that fair? We had a, a, yeah, Steve West and Bob and myself had a conversation with Jesper on the phone. I haven't seen any of these liner notes yet, so I don't know uh, oh, what do you want, made do you want it to, into the liner notes. Do, do you want me to email them to you? I know it's coming out on Friday, but... Uh, oh, wait, this, uh, no, I'll, get, yeah. I'll just go buy Matador and get that. <laughs> One of the things you said that struck me in the liner notes or were quoted as saying, you can deny that you said this if you want, is that when you were you have very little memory sense memory of being in the studio with Nigel and working on stuff because you have a tendency or you did in that moment to freeze up in the studio and kind of shut things out a little bit so you could concentrate mm-hmm. is that true is if first of all is that true and secondly is that normal for you when you enter a studio to just sort of be so focused that you have no like i say you don't really remember what the experience was even like um, I don't know how accurate that is, but I've never really felt comfortable in the studio just because of being nervous about getting things right. And, uh, especially at that time when, you know, we'd made multiple attempts to, you know, get this record together. And I was really, uh, I think I was really nervous when I was there. I think that might be what that's referring to, but, um, hmm. Like, so this is like seven, eight years into you being in this band, touring, mm-hmm. touring the world, playing to mil- you know probably a million people uh, by that point. No problem with that. No problem with that. But the studio, by the way, as a, a low key musician myself who's made records, I also don't like the studio. It feels very mm. cold, and I don't like we're rolling. I don't like it. I don't know what it is. The spirit kind of saps out of me. So I, I relate to that mm. a little bit. Yeah, I think for me, it, it part of it is not, uh, I'm like never uh, doing it so rarely and never being very familiar with any of the uh, the gear or the not really understanding the whole recording, pro- the technical aspects of the recording process. And if I'm not involved in that, then I feel a little walled off. And then also worrying about my performance, b- being able to play things properly, uh, that and 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 getting that right and not wasting somebody's time or money. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, that kind of yeah, yeah, that all makes me nervous. So um, it's all kind of external pressure, right? It's you don't want to let your bandmates down, you don't want to let the studio people down. Like it just feels like a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So just before we get into Terra Twilight a little bit more, I, I can't help but ask, like, how did you, as someone who is a little uncomfortable in the studio, how did you get into music generally as a as a young person? Like, was it was it the radio? Did you get to see a show? Did somebody turn you on to something? I'm just curious. What what, what was your entry point? Well, listening to music, uh, I don't know. I mean, my parents listened to they they listened to like the Beatles and the Stones and and classical music or whatever. But um, you know, I had an uncle who worked with the Beatles a little bit, so that was considered to be really kind of cool and amazing. Uh, so I guess that their rock music had a certain allure. But then I think I started buying records when I was in element, uh, maybe like late elementary school. But maybe because other kids were talking about hit songs or whatever, and I felt like I didn't know what they were talking about. So I asked my music teacher what you know music I should buy. And I remember there was like it was she said something like, "Well, what kind of music are you interested?" In? And 
I said, I don't know. And she said, well, you know, I, I think I said rock or something like that. And then she said, well, acid rock or, or no, I think she said like heavy metal, um, hard rock or acid rock. And I said, acid rock, just you know, like Philly, check that box. And, um, so she recommend, but then she recommended like, um, I think she recommended Iron Butterfly or something. Ah. And, and I mean, Iron Butterfly records had been around for a while, but she also recommended Deep Purple. And I, I bought like a Deep Purple album that had actually just come out. This was like, you know, probably early 70s. So I see. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, then I just started buying records. I did like that. Then there was like a whole period of live albums. But as far as like playing music, that was just sort of an extension of being a fan and um, living in New York and going to shows with people. And um, the first band that I would, that I ended up being in was uh, they were friends of mine and we would just go to see other bands all, all the time. And they had a band and uh, at one point asked me if I wanted to play bass with them and um, they were willing to show me how to do it. Oh. And um, so that's, how I started really. Wow. They, they liked and, you uh, so much. They showed you how to play an instrument so you could be in the band. Well, basically, I mean, I had, I had kind of fibbed and said that I had played, that I played bass because I had literally picked up a bass at a friend's house and, you know, it, it seemed like it was pretty easy to figure out really basic stuff on it. And, mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, yeah, then these guys, they had an extra bass and they said, why don't you, why don't you try it? With, and that was this band uh, called Dust Devils that was one of the early Matador bands. Yeah, I, that, I'm, I'm uh, familiar with that name, at least, yeah. And yeah, so that was the first band I was in. And uh, yeah, that happened when I was 26. So I'd never really played an instrument until then. Oh, wow. Quite quite, quite late in the game in some ways. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't let this pass. Yeah. You say, was it your uncle that worked with the Beatles? Uh, in what capacity? He was a film photographer, an editor and he and his friend uh, had a small film company that John and Yoko funded, I guess, called Butterfly Films. And he was a cameraman for, um, I think he may have shot some Beatles stuff, but I, I know for sure that he shot a movie called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah. He was one of the cameramen on, cameramen on that. He shot an Alice Cooper movie that sounded really strange. I haven't seen that. And, that Rolling uh, Stones. That Rolling Stones movie is great. Yeah, the Stones didn't like it though. You know, it was it was it was it bootleg. Was for, yeah, yeah, I had a I had a bootleg. I still have the. I think they eventually released some iteration of it in the yes. last ten years. But I had yeah. a bootleg of it. I had a bootleg mm. DVD that somebody gave me, and yeah. uh, I thought that was great. Wow. So sorry. Do you want to just name who this person is? Oh my my uncle. His last his last name's Eibold and his first name's Doug Doug Eibold. He oh, lives nice. in California. That's... He worked on, you know, then he, after that, he um, started working on TV. So he did TV shows like Magnum P.I. and Baba Black Sheep and um, all these, I'm trying to think, most recently, but he's retired now. But he did one of those yeah. um, crime law, I want to say law, special victims unit or something like that. He was sure. an editor for that. But he was an editor in Miami Vice, I think he worked on too. You know. Wow. Okay. So you, yeah. this showbiz in your family, Mark. That's what we're getting at right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's great. This is great. I didn't know this about you, so I'm glad. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm glad we're getting to it. You know, you, you're 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 someone who learned bass uh, from your friends. I mm -hmm. was listening to Terror Twilight, and I wonder if you have a perspective on this. Was this any more complicated a record for you to play on 
than other pavement records? The, the, way the, more. The, way par- more. the parts are more complex, aren't they? Yeah. And a lot of the parts Stephen uh, did, basically, you know, and I had to figure them out. And it was, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of, t- even on a lot of the other records, Stephen would um, kind of come up with bass lines either on a tuned down guitar or sometimes even on a keyboard that I would try to recreate or parrot mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, and on this one, it was taken to another. It was almost like a, like the gauntlet had been thrown down and I was supposed to like, you know, step up and try to figure out how to like do it. I'm, I'm still like, I'm having so much trouble figuring out how to play these songs now, you know. Right. For the... uh, but I mean, it's also that and just forgetting what the hell I, I did, you know. I couldn't even believe that we played... Like I just saw a video of Carrot Rope being played on an Australian television show. And I was like looking at my fingers trying to figure out what, you know, like how did I, how was I playing that? I don't even remember it. But yeah, this was way more challenging. Yeah, it seems that way to me. And I I wasn't sure. So you're saying that this would happen from time to time. Steven would come up with bass parts and you would try to emulate them. But this is a more concentrated version of that. There's more of that on Terror Twilight. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay, that's that's interesting. Can you sing and play bass on Carrot Rope at the same time? No. So what happened? I can't remember. I don't know if I saw you guys do that when I saw the the last uh, one of the last shows I saw. Uh, What happens when you do that? I know Bob unequivocally, by the way, said he hates that song. I don't know how often oh. you, how often you played it live, but clearly at least once in Australia. Uh, w- uh, what happens when you're playing uh, that song? Do you have to ch- which which do you choose to sing or play bass? I don't sing my parts. Just don't sing it. I okay. mean, I, I, yeah, I'm on the recording, and that's like with almost every. Uh, I have singing parts on maybe on a few of the records. I can't even remember what songs they are now, um, but I can't do it. I I should I was thinking that during this long period of you know have, having time to like practice for these shows that maybe I would try to figure it out but I I can't do it. Now, I, you know, are you finding that things uh are coming back to you though like in a surprising way like you got the muscle memory cuz you played some of the songs so not just from Terror Twilight but just generally are you like oh yeah, I got it or are you mostly like what the hell I can't remember anything? I was like that for a while that I couldn't remember anything, but now, yeah, I, now I, I feel like I've, I've got it. I think it's going to be good. I feel like I've even improved. I'm, I'm like, you know, that I've figured out better ways of doing things too. Cause I've never really been, I wouldn't consider myself to be an efficient bass player, you know, or economic yeah. bass player. I, you know, sometimes I realize, Oh my God, why was I doing this? I had to move, you know, when I didn't even have to move my hand or whatever. Um, but I'm getting it. I've never had like, you know, we've never lived together. And so Pavement has never really practiced together for more than I think this will be the longest that we will practice together for like two weeks, you know? Yeah. That that just never really happened. So when we were not doing shows, I would come back here and go to work and not play bass. So, um, yeah, you know, like I've never had calluses. Like I, I have calluses now, which is good. I think that'll probably helped me <laughs> <laughs> I, I i have seen some i remember when i saw the first jesus lizard reunion tour i couldn't help it and i'd seen them a bunch but i couldn't in the glory days if you will younger days <laughs> but i couldn't help but think like they're better in 2009 like they just seem ill they don't seem they seem comfortable with each other in their own skin mm-hmm. and i think that makes you relax and play better 
Did you experience that on the reunion tour at all? Like, did it just feel better? Like, did you feel like you might be better? 2010, I thought we had some really great shows and really played the songs well. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens this time. And you know, we're going to have a keyboard player too, which might uh, kind of be interesting too. So uh, that might fill out some songs and make it more fun. But yeah, I'm, yeah, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like next month. But uh, just, I think it'll be fun. Just to clarify, because I don't want to uh, disrespect Bob Nastanovich, you you have another keyboard player? Is that what you meant to say? Yes. <laughs> yes. Another keyboard player, yes. <laughs> I don't think Bob is capable of feeling disrespected about his work in pavement, but I just wanted to uh, clear the air there. Uh, <laughs> you know, So it, my understanding in terms of your involvement with Terra Twilight, Farewell Horizontal, like I said, you had this phone call. Uh, with Jesper and Bob and Steve. Mm-hmm. And by what you're saying, you haven't had a chance to actually listen to the extraneous material that they've added to this new version. Is that is that safe to say? No. no. Haven't heard no. A, haven't heard a note. Okay. No. So let's let's talk about that experience you had in the conversation. Was there anything about what anyone said or what you remembered about what that period was like or what went on in the studio? Was there anything in that chatter that surprised you particularly or stuck out as being, oh, yeah, yeah, actually, that, w- I've, that, was, that was pretty cool. Or, oh, man, that, I didn't like that. Do you have any of those uh, <laughs> memories come up in that conversation? Not that I can think of, but, you know, we had that conversation uh, I, at least a year ago. So I don't really remember anything. I'm, I'm trying, you know, I mean, I had sort of forgotten that not all of us went to London for that part of the recording. Um, I just assumed all of us had been there, but then somebody reminded me that we weren't all there for that. But no, I mean, there's nothing that I, I really would like to see that. I, I'm sorry that I feel uh, terribly un- unprepared by not having uh, checked that out beforehand. But it never really occurred to me that there would that there would be extensive liner notes and that Jesper worked on them. But th- I guess that makes sense since you were talking to him about it too. Also. Beautiful package, if I if I may say. Like it's a beautifully done reissue. Um, mm-hmm. The one thing, even having not heard them, that struck me, and I asked the the fellows about this, unlike other have have you spent much time with the other pavement reissues just to check out what's on there? Yeah. Yeah. This one has to my memory, way more Stephen Malcolmist solo demos than I can recall any other package having. And the rationale I understand is there just wasn't enough extra material to create a full... I, I will tell you, and I don't know if you what you make of this, Mark, but Pavement B-Sides are my favorite B-Sides. I, I, yeah. lo- I love Pavement B-Sides. Uh-huh. I love them. I collected them all when I was younger, and I, you know, I think they're fantastic. But this record didn't have that many of them. That's good to hear. Yeah. Do you, do you like them? Don't you think there's some of them? I feel like, yeah. I, yeah. I, like also, I mean, the, one of our favorite bands, I mean, I, I could say speak for the band, I guess the fall, they always have great B sides too. Yeah. And uh, so it's good to hear that, that you, you think that about the pavement B sides. Well, it's like it's to the point where I'm like, some of this is not better, but like I, I used to make mixtapes for people of just the B sides. Cause I thought they mm-hmm. flowed together so well super and, cool yeah, yeah. I, I really love them remember mixtapes those were fun I used to like doing that yeah. I don't do that I don't even have a tape player right now anyway what was I getting at to your in your recollection were there a lot of Stephen Malcolmist solo demos presented to the band over the trajectory uh, because in this case there's so many of them and like I say most of us haven't heard this many for other records 
Um, so I'm just curious. Do yeah. you remember? Did he often bring you or send you or whatever, give you a tape of stuff he was thinking that you guys could work on together? There was one tape, a cassette that I think I recently found that was really great Malcolmus demo stuff. But I think, I don't think it's from Terror Twilight. I think it's more from like either Bright in the Corners or, um, or Wowie Zowie. I'm looking at these cassettes here. Are you looking at them right now? That's amazing. You had them at the ready. Uh, yeah, they just happen to be near where I have my, uh, yeah, I think this is it. It's, uh, oh, wow. it says there. It says bright in the corner. That corners. says, it looks it's like sort it's of, backwards. Yeah, bright in the Is that backwards? Early demos, SM and SW. Uh, it's Steve and Steve West. That was fun to listen right. to. I just found a lot of these cassettes recently. Um, uh, there's one here that I have of... This one says... This one says... I don't know if you can read that. Can you read that? Steve? I'm trying to. It's Steve teaching me watery domestic. Yeah. Yeah. Is that <laughs> And that's Steve, Malcolm is teaching you, Mark, specifically? Yes. Wow. Yeah. But one of these is one that is kind of done on a, um, a Moog that, that Steve had for a while. But I think it was for Bright in the Corners, and they were really, really early versions of it. And I was worried that I had lost that thing. But then I realized that it is a lot of those songs that I thought I only had on this one cassette that nobody else had. They ended up being on the um, the reissue yeah. of uh, Bright in the Corners. Right. Um, but um, no, so I don't think I ever heard early versions of songs that Steve had. And who knows, maybe Steve, uh, have you have you had a chance to talk to Steve Malkmus? Has he? Not about this. I mean, Steve and I have talked no? a few times. Again, okay. just so, Mark, you're aware of this, and just for people listening... Stephen was invited, uh, emailed, and texted, and oh yeah. But uh, I, he, Bob, often told me that uh, sometimes I'll write Stephen five five texts and I get nothing. I'm like, really? You're his friend. Oh, yeah. You're his friend. Like I get him. Yeah. I get him ignoring me. But like, why would he? Anyway, so I think he's just if he doesn't want to do something, he just doesn't engage. So no, I haven't had a chance to speak with Stephen specifically about this stuff. No. Right. So well, what I'm wondering is. Um he may not have even known that stuff was that he even had that stuff and then just turned it. Maybe it turned up, uh, in his basement studio or whatever, uh, you know, in the last few months. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, no, fair enough. You, uh, earlier I talked about how you were a little, a little trepidatious in the studio, uh, for the, this batch mm-hmm. of songs. Nigel Godrich, uh, you know, plays a huge role on this record. Uh, Bob even said, really, it's a, as far as pavement records go, this is a Stephen and Nigel production. Like, this is, this mm-hmm. is them. What was it, what, from your perspective, what was it like working with Nigel and what did he bring to the band? Well, he, I think he was the first person that we, uh, I think what he brought to the band, as far as I was concerned, was I, I felt more pressure because there was an out, uh, a, there was sort of another person more involved. Like in, in our previous recording sessions, we would kind of like come up, you know, put the songs together, hash them out sort of in the studio. And then the person that was in the studio acted more as a, um, just more like an engineer rather than a person that was involved in sound. Uh, now, 
I don't think I don't really remember Nigel uh, changing songs so much. I, I remember him more being involved with the sort of textures. Uh, 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 well, that, that's my dog. Sorry. Um, that's okay. What, what's the dog's the, name? Uh, that is uh, Charlie. He uh, he's old and blind. This is. Oh, hey, Charlie! Oh, he's a pug. Look at that. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, a good boy. He's a very good boy. Uh, well, I don't want to. I bet. Tra- but right now he's 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 a little naughty. Maybe right he's now. hungry he's or something. Dogs are they're always either hungry or they want to be entertained. That's what I've learned from the dogs. <laughs> Which is kind of, it's kind of like me too. Once. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Nigel. Uh, he, uh, uh, I guess, was more um, critical of uh, of performance. And um, I think he had a lot of ideas about adding other instruments, for instance, or like getting other people involved in the sound um, in, in, in the recording. Mm-hmm. I guess that for me at that time, I was worried that he didn't really understand the band. You know, I wanted I, I thought, oh, if we're going to if we have somebody like this, we should have someone that really seems to really like the band, you know, and for some reason I had it in my head that he wasn't a fan of the band. Hmm. Uh, Although he says otherwise, you know, he says that he was a fan of the band. And, uh, you know, I think that could have just been an error in judgment on my part, probably having to do with being stressed out about the whole recording situation, really. Well, when someone Um, asks you to do things that you don't normally do, or bring in guests to play, like Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead to play harmonica and mm-hmm. add all these mm-hmm. like sort of intros to songs. Like that's just stuff you don't normally do. So you, I, I imagine you can't help but feel like this guy doesn't know us. He's trying to change us. Uh, like I, mm-hmm. I, I think that would be a natural reaction from anyone, right? Uh, I don't know. I mean, uh, I wish that I hadn't reacted that way because I kind of, I, I do really love. Like now, I do like the way that record sounds quite a bit. And, uh, I, you know, and, and he was responsible for making it, it, it sound that way. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel a little bad about the way I felt about him at the time. But, yeah, I mean, it was just just being not used to that kind of a recording situation, really. Um, and just being uh, generally uncomfortable in the recording situation <laughs> in general. Yeah, in general. There, there is sort of lore about Terror Twilight. And obviously the band wraps up on the tour uh, for this record. Like at the end of that tour, uh, the the band ceases. But there's speculation that even making it, things were a little tense and, and maybe there was so much change that it indicated what was to come, that the band was going to kind of um, dissolve on some level. Do you Did you feel that at the time? Like you, you, you're, you're talking about feelings you had, but it didn't no. feel like it was splintering apart or anything. My feelings were about myself personally. They weren't about the the band. And I mean, there was definitely every time Pavement put out a record, there 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 was pressure to not repeat ourselves and to yeah, just to to like still be I don't just to come up with something that that was better than before or um, or different from from what we had yeah. done before, and. Um, I felt that we were doing that, you know. At the end, though, you know, for instance, yeah, uh, there's been, I was just telling somebody else, uh, I was talking to somebody else about, uh, somebody asked me about 
that last show. And, oh, in England? Um, I think Bob had told them that, uh, you know, it was pretty clear to him that there would, be, and when that, after that show happened, that Pavement wouldn't play again. But to me, it wasn't clear at all. I, I was, uh, you know, I thought, oh, you know, anything. I mean, every time we, we stopped playing shows, I would come home and resume my whatever job I had. And, uh, and I never, you know, we never knew if, if we were going to be recording again a year from from now or whatever. You know, I mean, it was it was always very much left up in the air. So when that tour ended, I thought, well, you know, I don't know, you know, this this could happen again in a year from now. It could not. But I kind of thought that every other time, too. Right. Um, OK. You know, we we talked about you joining Sonic Youth in what do we say? Oh, four, oh, six, oh, five. One of those <laughs> years. Uh, yeah. Pavement ends in in ninety nine. Right. I think. Pretty much, yeah, ninety nine, yeah. two thousand, I think, yeah, something like that, yeah. So, I guess real quick, what was that five year gap for you? What 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 occupied your time musically, if anything? Um, I don't think I was playing any music really. I might have started playing a little bit. I don't know if that during that time I started doing some spec. That, um, I've played with um, Pete Nolan from Magic Markers and uh, my uh, another friend Peter Meehan and. Um, Steve Shelley sometimes plays in this band called Spectre Folk. Um, we may have started that around that time, but I wasn't really playing music then. Uh, you know, I, I think that I was sort of think. well, I guess, no, but Steve might have started the Jicks. Curious when that first record came out. I wonder if that it's was like, in oh, 2000 oh, uh, or 2001. Yeah, something like that. It's, it's one of those. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. Sorry. And I've turned most of my internet off, so I'm not going to look it up. You know what okay. we should do? We should flip on WFMU. And see if someone mentions it. <laughs> Maybe they'll mention it at some point. No, I, I, uh, yeah, somewhere around that period, that sounds about right. Mm-hmm. So that that to you was the signal that okay, yeah. we're probably not. We're not probably getting together as pavement anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, but I was yeah. also, you know, yeah. That that that's. I think that's when I kind of figured that we wouldn't be doing stuff for a while, or yeah. you know, ever again. Yeah, um, but. I don't remember there being a specific time when I, you know, came to that decision. And it's probably that I didn't want it, you know, I, I didn't want pavement to end. So, um. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, has it been uh, again? And then Sonic Youth also ended uh, pretty abruptly in some ways. Um, has it been what have you been up to actually since Sonic Youth then? Uh, you did the pavement uh, reanimation, the reunion. Uh, yeah. Anything else uh, that you've been up to beyond that? No, no. That's around the time that Sonic Youth finished, too. So uh, since then, just every once in a while, I've done some Spectre Folk stuff musically. Other than that, I just go back to, to work, uh, as yeah. I always have, like worked in restaurants and bars and stuff. Okay. Yeah. So do you, as we're speaking, very exciting news. So there's the Terror Twilight stuff, obviously, this uh uh, reissue, but the reunion you mentioned you're going to practice. Mm-hmm. I think Bob told me you're headed to. Are you all convening in Los Angeles? I think he said in Portland. Oh, in Portland. Sorry, I thought there was yeah, some. But we we will actually be in Los Angeles. I think for a few days because there's a uh, some kind of a sound stage that resembles more like. I mean, the the whole reason this came together is because of um, uh, the 20th and what was supposed to be the 20th anniversary of 
the Primavera Festival. And uh, I guess since that's going to be on a big stage, we're going to do some a few rehearsals in L.A. Oh, uh, oh in Burbank. To, um, to replicate sound stage. Right. Okay. To replicate the stage. I get it. Okay. So there's mm-hmm. that's coming up. I gather you're very excited about this. Um, mm-hmm. Is there any other way to put it? Like, what are you looking forward to the most about getting back together with these fellows and and greeting your fans? Anything in particular? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Getting you know, getting together, seeing everyone. Seeing, I, I'm really curious to hear the songs and hear how they sound this time around. I guess that I, I guess what I'm most excited about is that I have a I have a little boy who's 11 years old and he doesn't I haven't even really told him about this I mean he knows that I I you know that I've played in bands but um, I think that he, uh, it's going to be interesting to see his reaction to all of this and actually you know we all most of the guys in pavement have kids uh, it'll be interesting to see everyone all all these kids their reactions to what their parents are doing that'll be like that's going to add a whole different uh, perspective to the thing. I don't mean to be too schmaltzy, but in particular, when my son was young, uh, and again later, and I still do this with my daughter, but I take a guitar up now. But with my son, he fell in love with stereo and Shady Lane. I would sing them <laughs> oh every night, and he yeah. loved them. Yeah, he knew the words yeah. to them and just loved them. Wow. So uh, it, it's a uh, yeah, I, I, how old are your kids? My uh, my son is ten and my daughter is seven. Uh, okay. Yeah, Levon's ten, and as as we've established, Mark, Levon is home sick. sick. Yeah, and then uh, my daughter Ramona is at school. So yeah, yeah, they're they love music, which is good because they're often forced to hear a lot of it. It's just on in the house all mm-hmm. the time, but they have their favorites, and the, and he really enjoyed Pavement uh, at that point, and now probably couldn't tell you one thing about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very little, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah. Have Have you played any pavement for your for your for your son? Um, uh, have I? I don't think I've actually played it for him, but maybe a couple times. I wanted to show him how ridiculous some of the videos were. Oh yeah, um, you know. oh Stereo's got a great and, Stereo's uh, got a great video for kids. I would say with this yeah, with the serial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he he's heard it on WFMU a couple of times too, and when that's happened, I've been like. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's, uh, oh, that's so you know. All, so that's been you know that's been that's been fun. But, uh, all kidding aside, he, that's very I mean, special. All kidding aside, that's very special that you will be able to because now your son's at an age where it will resonate. That oh my god, my yeah, dad plays yeah, yeah. in this amazing rock band. That's great. Yeah, I hope that's what he thinks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he might. I guess he might get critical and be like, eh, I don't know about that part. Maybe you guys should fix the bridge. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Uh, no, that's lovely. So, uh, yeah, the reunion tour is coming up. Uh, any other plans uh, from your end of the things? I guess pavement's a prime focus for you right now. Yeah, that's it for me right now. Okay. Um, yeah, just yeah. Staying, staying. Other than <laughs> than that, I'm working like dealing with I've had my my family and my parents. Uh, yeah, I've just been dealing with family stuff. So that that's been taking up a lot of my time, but. Um, yeah, I, ho- uh, I hope that yeah. I hope that goes well. Well, I appreciate that. So uh, you're not on any socials, so no one can follow you or whatever. Uh, no websites for you, but people can go to pavementband.com <laughs> to learn more about Pavement and Matador Records for this Terror Twilight thing. So uh, normally, Mark, I ask people who are in bands to choose a song for us to go out on. Do you have a particular song on Terror Twilight that you're looking forward to playing and 
If so, could we play it? And if so, why? 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 Yes, but I don't know if we're going to play it. Oh, live. Because <laughs> um, it's not really one of the obvious choices, I think. In, uh, um, but uh, the one, I just emailed everybody saying, hey, I'm having fun playing Platform Blues. Wait, is that on territory? Yeah, it is. Or is that it on, is. Is Platform yeah. Blues one of the in ones? Fact, in fact, in the new sequence, let me just make sure I have this correct. I believe, so that's a weird... Do you have any thoughts on this? I normally I asked everyone else. The fact that this record uh, had a sequence that eventually it was Scott's sequence that came came out uh, uh-huh. as the proper album, but this new version, by the way, has Nigel's original sequence, and the lead track is Platform Blues. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. To be honest, well, that's the song I pick. <laughs> the lead track. It's really interesting, Mark. I know you haven't had a chance to spend time with it. Um, Spit on a Stranger is last. Uh, It it totally... I spent a lot of time with Terra Twilight when it came out, obviously. I was a big... I I am a big Pavement fan. I haven't spent too much time on that particular record in recent years. But as it started playing, this new version, I mean, like the Nigel sequence, I was like, wait, that's wrong. I have a sense memory of what comes after every song on Terra Twilight. So it took me a while. It threw me. But I must say, I said it to... The other fellas there. I like the sequence. It's I like Nigel's sequence. It's quite good. Huh. Okay. So I'm sort of looking at this now. Uh, I, I, uh, I, it's just weird that the way it's coming up on my computer. But it, they, the songs do have numbers next to them. So the hex is second. That was another thing that was odd to me. I really liked our old version of, of the hex. Yeah. And I didn't think that that needed to be changed so much. I kind of like the sort of more psychotic version. You know, what's funny is I, I feel like Nigel says this production of The Hex is one of the things he's the most proud of in his entire career. Well, I'm going to listen, I'm going to, listen to it again to see if I... Uh, but I, I, I was listening to the older version and thinking like, oh my God, this just sounds crazy. It's kind of good that it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, the, I feel um, like the original one is... Was it a B-side on a Bright in the Corner single? It's on the reissue i know that but i can't recall yeah i think it was yeah i knew that song from that period as well in any case yeah you should spend time with the new sequence and then text me or email me and tell me what you think because i'm just curious what you make of it for me it was just like oh my god the record's brand new to me now it's actually unfortunately maybe or fortunately bumped the old sequence out of my brain i can't even remember the old sequence now this is the album okay wow yeah this is the album for me so so yeah, let's go. Forty five oh my god, they're forty five tracks. Forty five songs. That's why two hours and forty three minutes. That's why I didn't put it <laughs> I didn't want to put it into my uh iTunes because who wants like one album to have forty five tracks? That's just like crazy. It is a yeah, um, it is a little. <laughs> <laughs> but and and again, you know, like if I had that package and I had it here and I was like taking out whatever I don't know what format I'm gonna get it in, but um you know, then I might say like, oh, okay, time to listen to disc three or whatever, and uh, I'll find out what you know. Oh, what there's live stuff too. Yeah, there's okay, a little bit so of live Echo stuff. Yeah, from yeah. I'm curious about these SM demos. The SM demos are, are rope. SM the demo. SM demos are really fascinating. They're pretty close. Uh, there's a CCR song, Sinister Purpose, live. Oh yeah, uh, we tried to play that live. Oh, that, oh! it is an actual live version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the live. We all played? Yeah. Or? It, it says it's a live version. I don't know. As you say, mm-hmm. there's also like Preston School of Industry stuff. Uh, 
There's a, at least oh, a wow. one song that becomes a Jick song on here. There's lots of cool stuff. Um, okay. And there's also, yeah, all the recordings wow. from Echo Canyon, which uh, Nigel rejected it as a facility, uh, is my understanding. He didn't, he didn't like it. Yeah. I'm not really... Uh, again, you know, like, I, I all, every place that we went seemed fine to me, yeah. so... Not, um, not your... Yeah. Uh, but that had to do with the board or yeah. whatever I, I'm not eh, sure I've tried, we'll get, I'll get Nigel on this show next and we'll, we'll solve some problems get <laughs> yeah. some answers to some things okay well uh, I'm glad that you popped it on there at the end of this chat so you could t- actually take a look at what the track listing is and because uh, I think you're going to as a person in the band I feel like I was blown away as a fan as a person in the band you're going to be blown away let me just say that I think you're going to enjoy it yeah yeah. Okay. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Thanks for turning me on. To that. <laughs> you should. Uh, hey, Mark. You should check out this band Pavement. They're pretty good. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm so sorry. No, I'm no. Sorry I'm kidding. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. All right. This is Platform Blues by Pavement from the Terror Twilight Farewell Horizontal uh, reissue. Mark Eibold, uh Really an honor and a pleasure for me to spend some time with you today. I hope you enjoyed yourself, and I wish you the best of luck with everything in the future. Thank you, Vish. I, I, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, yeah, look forward to uh, meeting you in the flesh somewhere. Stolen wild orchids got cut. See the 
Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, thank you for joining me on Pavement Week on Creative Control. I don't know if you caught that. I alluded to it, the other episode there with uh, Bob Pistanovich and Jesper Eklo and Steve West when we talked about Territory. Well, it was very nice to connect finally with Mark Eibel. Thank you so much, Mark, for appearing on this, the 678th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I just sent out, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook if you like, and you can follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram, at vishkana. Also, listen, this podcast I make... Uh, and there's not really money coming in for it except for the Patreon. So the pe- people who like the show, they support the show on Patreon. That's very sweet and very kind, and it helps cover all the expenses, and it makes it seem like I've done some work and I'm getting some compensation. Because none of the companies that the podcast exists on, they don't pay us, you know? If you have a nice company, they might pay you, but might I don't have a, I don't have a big company. I have a small, tiny company, and they help with some of the advertising, but you don't like the ads. Do you like the ads? I shouldn't say that because the advertisers are going to maybe still be listening but you know what i'm saying ideally it's a little bit of all i'm saying here's what i'm saying please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation that goes directly to me six dollars american or more grants you access to exclusive content uh, that comes uh, some of it stems from these interviews that i do the new ones some of them i go back a ways in fact i'm just looking up the first time i ever talked to bob mistanovich because it's pavement week and i might put that up and the, on the Patreon. That's from June 2010, I think. And I believe, without I don't know, it says it's 40 minutes, so i got to figure this out. Anyway, 
that's the kind of stuff you can get. New stuff, old stuff from my archives. And if you like, if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one just as soon as is humanly possible and while supplies last. Again, patreon.com slash Control to support this show today. Thank you. Also, thanks again to the fine Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about, and you can place special orders there at their website, blackbird.ca. Also want to thank uh, uh, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, and Guelph, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton for their in-kind support for this show. Do you think I'm going to make good on some of that in-kind support when I go to Ontario soon? You bet you best believe I am. I get some donuts. Thanks, as always, to Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at his website, jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you so much for listening to this episode with Mark Eibold and for celebrating Pavement Week with me here on this show. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already or follow it or whatever. Keep tabs on it on your on your on whatever you use. And tell your friends about the show and, and tell them they should do what you do. Listen to it and subscribe to it. And, and help spread the word about the show if you can. That's what keeps it going. And that's all I got for now. It's late. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. And I will talk to you very soon. I hope you enjoyed this one. Listen to Pavement. Terror Twilight is out Friday, April 8th. Okay, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.